This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Hey, good morning, Chicago. Uh, welcome to This Week in Wealth and Super Bowl Sunday. I'm Elise Glink, financial journalist, CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. Our firm is a wealth manager, and we provide advice on tax planning, income planning, investment in estate, and legacy planning. And what you're going to order for drinks this weekend <laughs> for today's Super Bowl. <laughs> Um, if you want to talk with us or ask Tom a question, you should give us a call, 630-934-1855, or you can always go to alphawealthgroup.com and download your free retirement planning packet. All right, so Super Bowl Sunday, uh, who are you rooting for? Are you Eagles you know, or Chiefs? I hate to say I don't really care. I mean, I think it's <laughs> it's more... More, I mean, I don't have a horse in the race, as they say, but um, right. I guess I'm supposed to stick with the NFC. I don't know, because uh, that's where in the NFC. I'm actually a Lions fan. I hate to say it. I'm originally from Michigan. Lions. You know, don't. don't. <laughs> Lions. Oh, it's my sad. God. I, I mean, it, did you I mean, hear that? That's the sound of everybody turning off their radio in Chicago, Tom. Well, you know, it's if anything, it's like someone said to my wife, oh, he's a Lions fan. You know he's loyal. That's a good thing. So if anybody can stick with the team. So anyways, they stink. I know. That's all right. Well, I'll tell you, I, I also don't have a, uh, a horse in this race or an eagle or a chief. But I'll tell you, <laughs> one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting is I saw a story in the Wall Street Journal this week about the brothers. They're getting all this attention. Jason mm-hmm. Kelsey and the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. And they're the first brothers to play each other in the Super Bowl. So imagine you're their mother, right? Mm-hmm. And... You know, kids come home from school. I remember with my two boys, they came home from school. I have big boys, right? But I don't have, like, football player huge boys. Mm -hmm. But the journal did the story about what they ate growing up, and clearly it was eating their parents out of house and home, right? But Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this, you know, and then they were saying, like, today they eat, like, three eggs and, you know, 12 pieces of toast or whatever for breakfast, but... It takes so much more than eggs and toast to raise kids these days. And with inflation, it's not just that the food is expensive, right? It's lessons and tutors and private sports mm-hmm. leagues and more. And you and I talk a lot about saving for the cost of college and mm-hmm. how people can manage that. And But really, how are your clients and how do parents manage with budgets so that they can afford to raise kids and give them all the things they want to give them today while saving for college, while saving for their own retirement? It feels like... There's so much competition for dollars, right? Yeah, yeah I agree. It, it can be overwhelming. I think it's it's just like anything when it comes to any of these money things, retirement, college funding, anything that comes down the pike, is it's just organization. And I know it's tough. It's easy for me to say it, but I think it's more of a priority thing. If you can somehow prioritize my spending order or my savings order, in other words, Okay, first I have to take care of myself. I always say your mortality is much shorter than your children's, especially when it comes to college planning or college spending. So the first thing is, okay, i got to get these things knocked out. I'm going to contribute to my 401k. I'm going to make contributions to a Roth, whatever it might be. Okay, check, check. Those are off. I'm done. Now is the opportunity to take a look at doing some type of 
putting money aside. Sometimes the, an easier way to do it is this systematic. What's interesting is when you look at 401ks, you know, all of a sudden you open up your statement 20 years later and there's 400000 in there. Didn't happen by accident. Systematic contributions is one of the biggest things that we can do. So like 529 plans. We've talked about these before, Elise. Whether it's a parent or we'll introduce grand- grandparents into the, the into this yeah. uh, equation because sure. they can help in this process too. Bring in mom and dad or the grandparents, I should say, and they can start saving. But these five twenty nine plans, you can open one up today. Now we can talk about the difference between whether you do a Bright Start, which is in Illinois, or you just go to Fidelity. You can go to fidelity dot com today. Open up a five twenty nine. And, each, and link a bank account to it and start systematic $50, $100 a month. And now it's on autopilot for the most part. I mean, there's more to it than that, but I'm just saying not a lot more. And so these are ways we just start getting into the systematic process as part of our plan. I guess my, my question, and that's true, systematic savings, whether it's for college or retirement or whatever, is is incredibly important. And having the power of compounding is important because these mm-hmm. decades just man they're just flying by like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, how did amazing. i get to be as old as i am today <laughs> um but you know i look at you know for young people you know gen z or young millennials and and the complaint that i get and i think you and i don't talk enough about this um and i know that the parents listening are trying to find ways to explain this to their kids like they just they feel like if all they the only money they have is to pay their debt, student loan debt, credit card mm-hmm. bill, and if you make me, I'll save for retirement. But I've also got higher rent, higher food costs, and everything has gone up, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not just food that goes up, but it's everything. And so what I hear from kids today is I don't even I barely have enough money to pay down my debt, let alone save for retirement, and I still want to have fun with my life. And how do you balance those two things? Well, again, it's it's these are decisions we have to make. And I, let me just make one of the comments. Sorry, I, I, we always have to be careful. I said five twenty nine, five twenty nine. These are college funding plans. I just want to be clear. So I didn't yeah, want to college throw savings that out. plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that are that grow tax free. That allow you the money to be accessed tax free for qualified education. So they're called five twenty nine plans. I'm sorry, I should have explained that. But you know, getting back to your question of how do we balance these things, it really. I wish there was a perfect answer. There's not, but it's about discipline. It's amazing. When you think about it, and this may have been been true in your family, but certainly some of the older generation, it's like, how did they get by? How did they do it, right? I mean, some of them were, of course, certainly immigrants that came here that didn't, you know, with almost nothing in their pie, somehow they did it. And it's amazing. That's why sometimes when we look back at that other generation, the greatest generation, too, Man, look what they went through. So, I mean, it's not, not, again, not to minimize this stuff, but it really, a lot of it is discipline, the paying yourself first concept of, hey, I'm going to take this out, what's left over I'm going to work with, <laughs> but that's paying myself first. So it's, again, I wish there was a perfect answer, and I get it, it's tough, and we're bombarded by a lot of stuff more than ever, but it's really a, a, a part of having that discipline and, again, the systematic contributions, I think. I, I just always say to people, you've got to decide what's really important, mm-hmm. right? Cool. And and then you have to organize your money around what's important. You have a finite amount of money, so you have a choice. You can work more or do a side hustle and bring in some extra money for whatever extra spending. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can just reduce the spending <laughs> or both. You know, those mm-hmm things to get your budget in line. Like, I can't manufacture money for anybody. Like, it's... 
I don't know how to do that. I wish I did because I would start with me. And then I would move on to everybody else, but you know, you just, sure. you just, you just can't do it. Well, there's um, a lot more to unpack here. We're going to take a short break, but when we get back, I I do want to spend a little bit more time with this, and then I also want to talk about Susie Orman and uh, some of the choices she's making and how that applies to you. Six three zero nine three four eighteen fifty five. You're listening to this week in wealth on seven twenty WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink, here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. Uh, you can reach us at 630-934-1855 or just go to alphawealthgroup.com. So, Tom, do you watch Susie Orman everywhere or anywhere? Have you well, ever watched her? I've come across, uh, yeah, her on PBS or and other things. I've seen her, yeah. I think she was on C- CNBC for a long time. She's written a whole bunch of books, and basically mm-hmm. she got her start with Oprah, who is the queen maker of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, she's originally from Chicago. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a Chicago girl. She calls herself a stock girl. Does not mean she's stocking groceries, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but on her Reason podcast, she said she sold off a bunch of stocks and she bought short-term T-bills because the interest rates have become more favorable. So I've got a couple of questions about this idea. First of all, obviously it's better to be invested than sitting on the sidelines with Mm -hmm. cash, or I should ask this as a question, is that a better idea? But to me, this idea that you're going to sell your stock and buy T-bills feels like day trading, or if not day Mm -hmm. trading, then maybe week trading. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I'm just sort of wondering, what do you what do you think about these this move? First of all, the selling stock to buy what are basically, you know, T-bills or bonds if it's, you know, that's where you're going. Or, you know, what's the difference between T-bills and bonds and, and maybe you should buy one or the other. So mm-hmm. I guess those are like 12 questions. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, it comes back to having a plan. I mean, it's always about investments. I think you can sometimes be your own worst enemy. And so when we talk about some of these things where she's, you know, making these moves, I mean, there may be general comments. I can't speak to exactly what she was saying with those things. But, you know, again, you want to just take a look at having an investment plan that makes sense for you. For example, if you're going to say, I want to have, we know, you know, there's growth versus fixed. Um, If you're going to buy a T-bill or a bond or something that pays a coupon or an interest rate, there's not really growth there. It's an interest or it's income. It's versus the market. You know, where there's years, it can be up 28%, but then on the flip side, it can be down. So we just have to be careful of how we structure our portfolio. Now, if you're going to have growth in the portfolio, you can make adjustments. So I don't agree with the statement of we sell off and we go to fixed. I think you want to stick mostly to this allocation. I always say it's more like a dimmer switch. If you want to say I'm, I'm comfortable with half of my portfolio being exposed to the market, well, then you have to decide on what is that going to hold. Is it going to hold value stocks, dividend stocks? Is it going to hold more of growth stocks? I mean, year to date, and again, this is why you have to be careful. You know, NASDAQ's at double digits, the S&P. We've had a good start to the year. Now, again, it doesn't mean it's going to continue that way. <laughs> well, we've had it. We had such a terrible year last year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you look historically, that's where it's at. Now, on the fixed side, I would just say if you're going to use T-bills or some of these other things, then it's on the fixed side. Be careful. Again, you may increase your exposure. If you say, I want to have 55% or 60% more in fixed, it's got to meet with what you're trying to accomplish. These moves back and forth, and that's why we've seen the studies many times, at least the average investor underperforms 
the market. So on the fixed side of the piece, if you're going to say, I'm going to get out of some of these bonds, I may own CDs because I'm getting over 4%. I may own, we talked about this, you can use annuities that give you a guaranteed rate with principal protection. That's what, how I would approach this, not I'm going to flip back and forth and I'm going to go, because in fact, I think last week we talked about someone suggested going from a, the traditional 60-40 to 35 to yeah, was to it? like yeah. thirty-five, sixty-five, or forty-sixty, and I was like, I don't know why you would do that, but I. Okay, so to your point that you need a plan, obviously, um, I, you and I both agree, day trading is a really bad mm-hmm. idea, you know, mm-hmm. and also following the whims of things that you read online and famous people doing things. Oh my gosh, how many people have fallen off the crypto cliff simply because mm-hmm. they followed a famous face? you know, down that path. And when that person probably didn't even have any money invested in it, Mm -hmm. they may have gotten paid in crypto or not paid in crypto, but, you know. So you really just, you know, the whole idea that you're going to do what famous people do, who, you know, Susie Orman's worth 30, 40, 50 million Mm dollars. Like, you know, if you're worth that, you've got some professional investor probably helping you. Um, At least I would hope you do. Yeah, if you're to a point where you're saying, I just want to preserve principle and I don't really make concern about growth, I've grown this pot of money and I'm okay, okay, you can put more into these types of investments because technically government bonds are the risk-free, quote-unquote, have the highest quality and, you know, so, yeah, you can do that. But other than that, uh, you really, it's the same thing we just talked about earlier about saving money and for college or whatever it might be in your, it's all about discipline. You need to have a discipline in your investment approach on so many levels. And so if I would ask anyone, can you define your investment strategy, your discipline? And if you can't, it's something maybe you want to revisit and maybe talk to if you're working with someone. Understand what you're doing there because that's how you typically can increase your probability of success, having a disciplined approach to investing. Yeah, I also just want to say, I, I get that interest rates have been up, but you know, they also went down a little bit this week. They're going to probably keep going up, at least according to the Fed, for the near term. So, you know, buying some bonds that might last you two to four years that might be at four to five percent interest, it's not a bad way to help stabilize your return, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this idea that you can have, you know, more more money in stock and then some money in these kind of you know short to midterm bonds feels like a smart idea yeah and it, it is this is an opportunity so again this is where you make adjustments in your fixed portion it's not about your growth portion right okay so if you're saying i you know this is my fixed piece i think i have some opportunities that maybe i'm going to i'm going to lower my exposure to certain bonds or the aggregate bond index and i'm going to add some cds that's your fixed it is let's not let's not confuse that with my growth piece so you can make these adjustments but keep in mind where you're making them and what makes sense in your portfolio Yeah, and just a reminder as well that the likelihood is that you're going to live to be to your mid to late 80s, particularly if you're married. You could Mm -hmm. easily live into your 90s. So you want to make sure that you have the kind of growth, a little growth. I'm still in my 50s. I'm going to milk that as long as I can. And so (laughs) I want to make sure that I've got plenty of growth, right? Because I could potentially have another 30 years. Yeah, there's another risk in your plan. It's called longevity risk, right? Right. And so we need to account for that. And all of these things come into play. And so um, we really want to take a, a look at all of these things. That's why, you know, 
anyone who has questions on this, they're more than happy or in their situation, if they want to reach out to us, we're here for you, and we can always give you answers on help pride get your point in the right direction, I should say, on some of these things. And so Absolutely. this uncertainty, it's, it's tough with this investment. It's really unfortunate when people... Because it's not, it's unsettling, and you, it, it's, it can not be a good uh, result um, in mindset. We want to try to reduce the stress. All right. Uh, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, some family squabbles that I think we can all learn a lesson from. 630-934-1855. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Glink. I am the CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of Alpha Wealth Group. You can reach Tom at 630-934-1855, or you can go to alphawealthgroup.com. And you can always just leave us a question, or if you want Tom to get back to you personally, which I think is a really good idea, 630-934-1855. Now, we were talking about kind of the balance of, you know, different kinds of portfolios and all the rest, but when somebody dies, it always comes down to money. I, I mm-hmm. almost always, I'll, I'll qualify that, almost always. And, you know, one of the lessons that I think we can learn is uh, from... Lisa Marie Presley's life insurance, uh, which is in the wake of her death. It's very sad. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she died. She was very young. Um, and yet uh, there have been reports that she had two life insurance policies worth a total of $35 million. That is, sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're, you know, it is a lot, right? $35 million. <laughs> Um, but it's supposed to be divided amongst her three children. Two of them are minors, so that money will go into a trust. Mm-hmm. And yet, there's still Elvis's estate that generates another huge bunch of cash that will also help fund their lives. So mm-hmm. that's all that's all good and smart and w- whatever. But here's where uh, things kind of get going, right? Um, apparently, there's, a, and I'm just going with reports here, right? Lisa Marie cut her mother, Priscilla Presley, out as a trustee back in 2016. Priscilla is contesting, claiming the signature is invalid. So I, there's like a whole bunch of stuff going on here that I think, while the rest of us mere mortals may not be worrying about a $35 million life insurance policy, I, I do think there's a question around cashing out life insurance policies that's worth talking about like when do you do that it, and and should you ever do it and how does good estate planning actually avoid this kind of mess because this is sounds like a real mess well you know this is these are problems i like to sometimes say that are asleep right we always think well i'm fine everything's gone my, i'm healthy it's there's not an issue at this point and then these things happen these unforeseen events and we get blindsided, our family gets blindsided, and so it really starts with the basics, which is having the right documents in place, having a power of attorney, financial and medical powers of attorney, having a living trust so your family is not exposed to probate courts. So getting assets titled properly and beneficiaries set up. This is a this is the basics. This is the fundamentals, right? We have an estate planning attorney. We do this. I've been doing this for over 25 years. I've, I have an attorney I worked with years ago that said if you have a bank account and a home, you should have a trust. And I agree with that statement. So that's really the fundamentals. I call them the six essential documents. In fact, I have a report called <laughs> the six essential the six documents. Essential. What are, okay, so list those out for us. What are the six essential documents? Well, you're looking, of course, I just talked about the living trust. You want to have a living trust, which avoids probate 100% if the assets are titled to that trust. The trust survives you. The trust goes on. So it 
doesn't die, doesn't go to probate. Mm-hmm. The second piece is your powers of attorney. You want to have a financial power of attorney. You want to have, this is to allow for decisions to be made during your lifetime. So it's not necessarily, you know, this is during your lifetime, not after, right? So if right. you're incapacitated, either physically or mentally, someone can act for you. And so if you don't have that in place, again, I sometimes call it living probate. Someone's going in probate to get the authority to act for you for your benefit. Then there's additional personal directives. I'll talk about those. But then you also have a medical power of attorney who can make medical decisions for you, as well as what are your wishes regarding life-sustaining treatment. It's another. And then you have your will. You still will have a will. Hopefully you don't use it, but it's in the event you don't get something and you're exposed to probate. But otherwise, that will will not be used. Personal directives. You also have personal property memorandums where, you know, where do you want the wedding ring to go to? Any other family heirlooms? baseball card collections it's funny these sometimes become the biggest issue and then you know you well, also you don't want to break them up but yet you know there's yeah, multiple kids they all want some of dad's cards yeah they might you know and I, I would say this and then you can have some certain personal directives what are your wishes but the thing about it is i always say and i think it's generally true and i agree with your statement earlier at least people it's it's interesting what happens sometimes it's you know, I've, it happens in many families where you think, wow, that person, when the money becomes involved, things can change. But if you have these things in place and you avoid things going into court and you have things directives and you have things set out, I think for the most part, most family members, most children, it's not about so much the dollar figures. It's what are mom and dad's wishes. If we don't know what their wishes are, how can we put these things in place? So that's really the biggest thing. But you start there and then you can then that's that's the biggest thing is about controlling and making sure everything's in place. That's how you do it, really. I I think I have to add one piece to this. Mm -hmm. I think people, parents, really need to have a conversation with their kids or their heirs Mm -hmm. about what their wishes are. I mean, it's one thing to put it all on paper, but there's always something that gets left out. It's never buttoned down because even if it's 100% organized, the next day you buy a car, it's suddenly not there. You have to like do things or you Mm -hmm. pick up a piece of jewelry or somebody gives you some sort of a gift or you sell your house and now you're going to buy a new house or, oh, you're going to rent this place. Like there's always something that's going on that's adding to it. And without a conversation, especially if you're not going to just leave things equally to your kids, like maybe you've got somebody with special needs or maybe you've got Mm -hmm. somebody who's literally crazy, uh, you know, or you've got somebody who's in prison, right? That happens too. And you have made other kinds of arrangements. You really need to communicate that with your kids so that there are no hard feelings afterwards. Yeah, it's important to have these discussions. We call them family meetings. But the other thing is, too, is if you don't have these things in place and provide direction, it can really, it just be a mess. I've, I've said it before. I think it's one of the biggest, most important things you can do for your family. Get these things in place and then maybe have that discussion look we put these things in place for you here's where they're at because if you don't you know beneficiary designations all of these things could be you could disinherit children Mm -hmm. you just never know what's going to happen i mean life insurance is obviously one piece but we kind of got off on that but you know the life insurance is an income tax-free benefit now if it's 25 million there's an estate tax exposure i want to be clear life insurance is income tax-free it is not a state tax-free unless it's in an irrevocable trust so the state tax exemptions, you could say, I received this money, it's income tax-free. Well, wait a minute. It's. I know people say, well, it's, if I pass away, how's it part of my estate? I don't get it. It doesn't matter. It's still, life insurance <laughs> is part of your estate value, by the way. Right. Well, I think that's really helpful because I do think a lot of people don't realize that or they think it's somehow separate because it goes directly to the beneficiaries. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it avoids 
um, estate, but it does all add up. And if you are over the limit, which, by the way, in the state of Illinois is pretty low. Uh, it's not the not tied to the federal number, which this year we even talked about that. But it's like twelve thousand, twelve million nine, yeah. isn't it? This I year? think it's about twelve point five million per person from a federal estate tax that you can pass on. It's not that in the in the state of Illinois, it's four million. So again, you start adding things up. Hey, I have a million dollar life insurance policy. Add that on. I have real estate. Add that on. I have you know. So you start adding things up. Besides the income tax on retirement accounts that your children will have to pay, they may have an estate tax bill that they have to turn around and cut a check to the government as well. So you want, this is all part of it, the estate planning process. Yeah, right? no, it really is, and it's important to do. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, annuity sales have surged, and we want to talk about why and whether you should be considering them for your portfolio. 630-934-1855. You're listening to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino of Alpha Wealth Group. You can find him at alphawealthgroup.com where you can download all kinds of awesome information that will help you with your estate planning. You can also give us a call or speak to Tom directly at 630-934-1855. If he's not there, just uh, leave a message. He'll call you right back. All right, annuity sales surged 22% to an estimated $310 billion in 2022. That is such an enormous number. It is almost Jeff Bezos' net worth. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Almost. Almost. Toppling the previous record, which was set in 2008, according to LIMRA, uh, which is an insurance industry trade group. Now, we've talked on this show a lot about how people use um, annuities. They accumulate savings and investments on a tax-deferred mm-hmm. basis. They turn the money into guaranteed lifelong income stream. I know you're a big fan of them. I have to say, when we started doing this show, Tom, which was like, I don't know, 18 months ago or so, mm-hmm. I was a little more suspect about mm-hmm. annuities because they used to be incredibly expensive, commission-heavy, Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't really work so well for consumers, but you've changed, you've opened my eyes to how they've changed a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, first of all, maybe talk a little bit about that, uh, sure. how, you know, how they've become mm-hmm. a little bit more affordable. And maybe we talk about some of the pitfalls, things that people should sure. really watch out for. Yeah, you know, I'm not pro or con any of these things. You know, I'm an investment advisor rep, which means we do active portfolio management. That certainly is not an annuity. But the question is, do these make sense for you and how do they work? I think, unfortunately, in this industry, which is maybe true in a lot of industries, there's a lot of misinformation and people aren't getting the information they deserve. And that's unfortunate because they may or may not be right for you. So what does it do for you? Why would you purchase one or use them in your portfolio or part of your retirement plan? Well, number one, they can give you principal protection. In other words, no market risk. Okay, so if you're saying, look, I will, and, and I'm talking specifically about different types of annuities. In fact, we have a report called The Truth About Annuities that anyone can download or get, but it talks about these different types of annuities. They provide something in your portfolio. Just like anything, it's not an all or nothing. So, for example, you can use them. The indexed annuities allow you to have participation in the upside of the market. So, if the, you could have 50% of the market. So, if the market's up 15, you're going to get 7.5. This is just an example, but mm-hmm. you're, so you can get some upside growth that gets locked in every year. You will not have a down year in these portfolios. You cannot lose money. They're principal protected. Now, again, but you're typically not going to outperform the market in up years. Does that make sense on the fixed side as we were talking about? Maybe, 
This is a way to protect principal. The other is you've referred to it as income. You can also get an income guarantee with some of these, which means they will pay you out even a joint lifetime income for you and your spouse. It's almost, in a way, you can almost treat it as a private pension. Again, on a piece of your portfolio, does that make sense? So if, for example, between you and your spouse, you have 60000 of Social Security or 70000 of Social Security, you can use this on part of your investments to create another, let's say, $30,000 of joint lifetime income. So now it's more certainty in your plan. Now you have $100,000 if you add your Social Security and the annuity income which again is lifetime, joint lifetime income. Hmm. Now, is that better than investments? It's just different, right? So it just gives you more guarantees in your plan, either principal protection or income guarantees. These are a couple of the big benefits that they can provide in an, in an overall retirement plan. What happens if you put in a million dollars and then one person dies like a month later? Do you ever get, or they? let's say you both die in a, in a, God forbid, in a car crash. What happens to the million dollars? Well, this is typically, again, where they've changed a lot. If you put money into the ones, at least ones I'm talking about that you can use, it's called a withdrawal benefit. So your account value does not go away. So the way it works is it, it's it's still put inside of the, this investment. It's still inside of a type of investment that you can get growth on. Well, what they're saying is the companies that back these are saying you can pull off so much money for the rest of your life, even if you go through it. If there's money left, it will go to your children and grandchildren, or at some point after a certain period of years, you can just take the money if you choose to and forego the income. So you have a lot more flexibility. The account value does not go away. So I want to be clear about that. So Okay. So it's not it like go it your, used to be. Yeah. Where you know you would buy Correct. one of these annuities, and then you die a month later, and oops, sorry, it vanished a yeah. million dollars. Correct. I'm not talking. Those not. Those, that's not what I'm referring to. No. No. Okay. Nope. So, <laughs> nope. Definitely not. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's very complicated stuff. But then there was this other, you know, sort of side of it. it there's been a lot of talk about how. You used to be able to pull out 4% from you know your savings or your investments, and you'd never run out of money. Um, but, you know, I'm wondering how annuities, you know, if, if, you know, the annuity is returning, let's say 4%, but you could get 6% out there, why choose the annuity? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but just kind of talk through it a little bit. <laughs> well, I think it's more of a balance, right? As I said... It's not which one's better. They're different. So really, that's not the best question to say which one's better because neither one's better. If the market does 10% per year over the next 10 years, well, who needs an annuity? Yeah, Um, stocks. Stocks. We'll go back to uh, Susie Orman buying stocks in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she'll come out now and say, it's time to switch. Time to switch. Uh, Let's go back. Turn around. In a lot of these things, just like anything as we were talking about earlier, at least where we say how your investment plan is set up, any of these things, it's not always an either or, or it's more of creating a balance of benefits. If you have an account as at, at Fidelity, TD, wherever, it doesn't matter, you have no guarantees on that account as far as a guaranteed income stream. If you call them and say, what is my guarantee? You're not going to have one, which again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just you don't have that. You do have other benefits, upside of the market, investment flexibility, and good things. That's positive. On the flip side, if you're using the annuities, you do have a guaranteed income that you can rely on, and you can incorporate that into your overall plan. All right. So 
it gets complicated. You know, it's one thing if you're investing in index mutual funds and that's all you're investing in and you can keep it pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can add in like a few interesting difference. Like, let's say you're, you know, a fan of XYZ company and you buy it at the store, you buy it at Costco, you're going to buy that. Okay. But now you start to get closer to retirement. It gets to be, I think, a little bit more complicated with all the other different pieces you need to think about. Sort of when do you, when should people start to think about that side of it? Like, can I just wait until, you know, the year before I'm going to retire, if I'm ever going to retire, to think it through? Well, you know, it's funny because I, it, it's not uncommon when people come in and say, you know, it just, I turned around and the next minute I was 62 years old and I'm looking to a few years away from retirement and it just kind of hit me. So certainly um, that can be a little unsettling. So, I'm already unsettled and I'm in my 50s. <laughs> so it's just not uncommon. I get it. We're busy with life. We're doing things, you know, we're been accumulating all our life. And all of a sudden, there's going to be this switch that's going to flip at some point where, hey, now I need to start drawing on this. and I need to start living without a paycheck. And so that is that approaches. And so among other things that we have to deal with. So, you know, certainly the sooner, the always the sooner, the better. It's hard to project things the closer you get. But if you're 10 years out from retirement, you know, at a minimum, I would say, take a look at, look at where you're at. We test plans all the time and we give you some idea. You're never going to be to the penny, but wow. It, when you start to, to run these numbers and look at things and do some analysis and understand what are, where is my income going to come from? Do I have a pension? Is there Social Security benefits? What are my investments? You start to look at these things. Can I do some forward tax planning and get more money into tax-free? There are things you can start doing today that are going to have a big impact four or five years down the road. And as you mentioned earlier, Elise, when you talk about longevity, even throughout your lifetime. So it's never too early. No, I mean, the number of people I know who are living into their 90s is really interesting. Mm -hmm. In fact, a friend's mom is 97 or 98, and she's finally able to use her long-term care insurance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of years to be paying for long-term care insurance, and you and I can have that conversation at a different time. But Mm -hmm. uh, you never know that you're going to live to be 98, and then you're going to need to go into rehab, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. who would think? I wouldn't think. Anyway, well, there's just, um, obviously, there's a lot to unpack here, you know, when it comes to, you know, sort of organizing and fixing your estate. And we've talked about a bunch of, like, mistakes people are making, which is kind of randomly switching from stocks to bonds, because somebody famous did it, or messing up your estate, like, you know, Lisa Marie Presley, uh, you know, and just having things and not communicating it, and then finally this piece of, comparing, you know, sort of when do you take annuities, when do you imply them, when do you not, Mm -hmm. all of that is really complicated. So anyway, thank you for walking us through it, Tom. Well, you're welcome. I hope there's some ideas. I always say if we can give you some ideas or actionable items, we've had a good show. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, give us a call uh, or give Tom a call if he can be of more help. 630-934-1855. You can always go to alphawealthgroup.com. You can find me at bestmoneymoves.com or on Twitter. And I'll be on WGN tomorrow at noon uh, for my regular uh, weekly thing with John Williams. That's it for this week. And well, thanks for listening, everybody. You're listening to 720 WGN. 
Tom Fortino is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Advisor. Alpha Wealth Group, WGN, and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors. Insurance and annuities offered through Alpha Wealth Group, licensed in Illinois. Tom Fortino and Alpha Wealth Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.